All right. So this is Empires of the Future. We're That's right. Excited about sitting down and talking about work. It's well, be good. Or being burned out of work. Or being work. burned out of right. work. Do you, are you burnt out of work right now? Should we do a therapy session? I'm not. You just have to lay down? Uh, I'm not. So the summer is the busiest time, and not only am I over the hump of youth ministry in the summer, uh, but we had the half marathon on Saturday, so that right. means the running season for us is over. Right. And I'm in my first day of rest. I slept in today. Nice. I uh, heard my son waking up. Can I get up yet at about 6.05, which is about an hour later than I'm usually trying to Do you to run get your up. house like a prison? Yeah, oh yeah. Keep, <laughs> keep them in that bed. Well, you know. Yes. They'll get up at 3 in the morning and go, look, what, I'm good. I'm right. ready to go. Right. Yeah, you got to keep them in that bed. That's right. My um, son, uh, who's now 5, Lincoln, uh, you know, his, his sister, who's 3 years older, uh, you know, she had a regular bed, right? And he asked uh, my wife, he's like, can I have a bed without a gate on it? He wanted. To, he didn't want to be in a cage anymore. Yeah, he wanted yeah. a, a, a normal bed. You know, uh, we thought that was pretty funny. Kids are pretty funny. They're, they're so precise with their language. You know, um, but uh, yeah, this is a, an article. Uh, I don't know if you use Apple News. I know this is a Wall Street Journal article, but it was on Apple News. Oh, okay, and that's kind of where I caught it. It was in the paper today. It was. Yeah, um, I, saw it. And I haven't read the paper today. I'm not sure if you've read the paper yep. today, but uh, I noticed that this this article came out today on October the fourth. So um, uh, I'm not really sure what section of the paper it was since you read it this morning. Was it in, a, in the was it in the business section or was it a like was it an ed- editorial or was it just kind of a? It was later in the main section in the gotcha. personal uh, personal part of it. All right. So. Um, this article is in the Wall Street Journal, Burnt Out. Maybe you should care less about your job. Maybe you should care less about your job. You ever think about that? Uh, I, said, I, think, about I, that? I think I say that to myself all the time. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you should care less. I, for, and I think this will be interesting, uh, maybe from us presenting our personal uh, stories on this, about being in ministry. Can you care less about your job in ministry? Well, it's it's an odd way to phrase it. Sure. Uh, I think her her big point is you know you might be investing uh, too much in this or have expectations out of this that are not wise or unrealistic. Right. Which certainly uh, that can happen to ministers too. Mm-hmm. Uh, minister burnout, a very real thing. Oh yeah. Uh, High numbers of yeah. casualties to the burnout. Right. I mean, yeah. Everything from. Um, like the nicest ways to state it, like uh, compassion fatigue and sure. um, sort of getting burned out in terms of uh, having too many hard things happen to, to people just making really bad decisions, uh, whether that's financially or otherwise. Uh, so there's a lot of things that can get, you know, ministers. But, you know, every day there's, uh, it's hard to be out in the working world. Things can go wrong and uh, you can be knocked out real quick. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if you practice pronounce, pronouncing this this lady's, the writer's last name, Rachel Feinzig. I don't know if you pronounce the T. Names are always weird because they just don't, they just don't, you don't get the consonant vowel order that you usually get in other words. Right. So this is a Feinzig, a Rachel Feinzig. Uh, I, guess, I don't know if she's a, a staff writer for the Wall Street Journal, but uh, she uh, wrote this article on burnt out and... Um, I, I thought it was very interesting. I've, I've, ta- I've read a lot on work. Um, we, uh, one of my 
my doctorate seminars, we talked about business and work and teams and things mm-hmm. like that, and talked about ministry in the workplace, a lot of this type of, 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 of thinking. And so with that, I don't know how many business books that you read or have read. I, I tend to like productivity books. I've written, read a few of those uh, books over the years and, and continue to read books on productivity. And there's a lot of books out there. And like, there's a person out there, I can't remember his name, but he has a book on like basically, um, honestly, the four hour workday. And basically, he, he argues that the work day can be very much uh, broken down or actually deconstructed to just like you, you working focused for four hours and you get most of your work done in that amount of time. And that a lot of the, a lot of work is just wasted time. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so anyways, I feel like this article kind of goes along with that a little bit. That And one of the arguments in a lot of productivity books is that there's a lot of things that people do on a regular basis at work that nobody notices, nor does anyone care about. Right. And that was mentioned here in this article, mm-hmm. you know, about a woman, um, she, you have it here as a second point, but um, that they they left work early. They are things that they just didn't do that they typically do, and nobody said anything about it. Right, uh, changing the way she dressed. Yep. And yeah, yep. you know, yeah. And, and so it's worth asking, is, is everything that you're doing necessary? So the, let me ask you this question: Is there things that just by reading this article that help that made you kind of reflect on your own day by day or week by week work week and thinking of things that you typically do that maybe no one would notice if you didn't do them? Um, see, my job, especially during the school year, I, I think is fairly streamlined. Uh, so it's preparation for events, preparation for teaching, right. and then lunch with students, uh, spending time with students. Like it's it's generally pretty streamlined in, in that way. And so uh, as far as that goes, you know, this, this seemed a lot to me like uh, consolation that you are not your work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that I do think is needed. Yeah, I did it. Um, and and yeah. I've and I've uh, run. Into, I've actually been. You know, I've listened uh, and taken to heart people talking about that. I think that um, having come out of you know, uh, I've seen ministers fail, and uh, I've taken to heart when I've heard messages that say, "You are not your gifts. You are not your uh, your calling. Even you you are a child of God first. That relationship uh, cannot be taken." Uh, and, and, and having seen, you know, ministers get knocked out of ministry and things early on, uh, it was clear to me early on that if you invest yourself in, you know, this job is my entire identity, uh, your identity in that way could be taken from you. But meanwhile, if you have an identity that is other uh, as it should be, then that identity cannot be taken from you. Mm-hmm. And so that's been good uh, for me in that way. What about you? Yeah, I think I've been in a weird... We have had we have two totally different ministry journeys when mm-hmm. it comes to professional or vocational ministry. You know, you've been on staffs and you've been underneath pastors. I have very little of that experience. Um, and I have helped plant two churches. I've kind of been the silo guy over at USI on campus. And then, you know, planning a redeemer working with, you know, we have two other pastors, but we all, both of us, all three of us have other jobs. And mm-hmm. so we, you don't have a lot of that. We don't work in the office together. Right. We don't have that type of, of structure. So, I, but I do feel, I think the, the bigger issue here isn't necessarily, and, it, and you have it right here, this Jonathan uh, Forstick, Forstick uh, had a heart attack. And he realized that he was stressed, yeah. right? I mean, stress leads to heart attacks, right? Um, you know, bad diet, but also... 
a stress. I have a, an uncle that had a that had a heart attack, and he was a very he had a very stressful job. He he ran a fairly um, he ran a, a company a contracting company in DC, which is a very stressful place, sure. right? Yeah. DC is a lot of traffic. Um, it's a very busy place, and with the government being in DC and all these contracting companies working nearby, it's a very stressful job, and that led to a heart attack. He actually relocated and so works and so runs the company, but he lives in Florida now. Wow. You know, he, so he, he made a life change uh, and left the area geographically. So it's not like, I don't know. And of course that has affected his kind of day-to-day job, right? If you're not in an office, yeah. you're not going to an office and you're having people stop by your office or you're getting all these constant uh, distractions or interruptions, he's living in Florida, right? He mm-hmm. goes to the beach, he goes to the swimming pool and it's, 80 plus degrees every day. There's no cold right. weather. There's no commute to work. Yeah. All these different, all these different factors that lead to stress. Um, and I think more people are realizing with the kind of the pandemic and how that's affected the work experience that people don't necessarily have to make that commute anymore, right? And that it does eliminate a little bit of the stress, right? Getting in your car. And if you live in a busy city like New York, Chicago, DC, you're in the car. What an hour, maybe forty-five right. minutes of work, and, and then an hour forty-five. Like yeah, that's yeah. a huge part of the stressful, yeah. and that having to maybe do that. You know, telling having a conversation with your boss and saying, "What does it look like for me to work from home?" Yeah, that's one less stress, right? Um, you're still going to get bombarded with emails and things like that, which could lead to some stressful things. But you know, thinking about my, own, you know, even my own job, I we recently within within the last year hired um, a woman in our church to do a lot more admin work that I was the one doing, right? I was the one having to do a lot of the things that maybe you have someone that does a lot of your admin work. I was having to do a lot of that work, like uh, changing things on the website, changing things on our app, uh, editing sermons and posting those things, Mm -hmm. uh, doing the, uh, we do a digital hymnal or like a bulletin doing that as an admin work and all those kind of different things leads to a lot of little tasks that you had to right. do in a given in a given week and that just just more things you had or someone says did have you done this we're, we're needing this and you're like, oh wait i have forgotten I, I forgot to do that i'll get it to you really quickly that does lead to a lot of like uh stress and being overwhelmed yeah. and being burnt out and when you can have someone that can come in and help you do that that does really really help but i think the the big issue is stress do you feel like what what about the ministry job brings you stress um, so you go through seasons of conflict and when it is a high conflict season, that would be, uh, stress, you know, people wanted to change how you do things, wanted in new stuff. Um, it's been, I, one of the strange things about say the last year and a half is that it's been uncommonly much more stressful on say lead pastors than it has been on, uh, staff members from the standpoint of, uh, a lot of big, challenging decisions that everybody's got opinions on that, uh, that you know, for yeah. instance, in, in, in my case, I might be asked what I think about something, but the decision doesn't fall to me. Right. Um, you're you're going to, like, vaccines, masks. Sure, I mean, yeah. How do you have service? Things. Should you have service? Yeah. Uh, uh, where can people sit? How do you organize? Uh, right. Or do you have multiple services? How do you clean between them? You know, these sorts of things. Um, that's been a real challenge, but has not come to me. Uh, and so... So in that way, most of my stress comes from uh, conflict, either within people that I work with or between, uh, you know, church members, staff members, or, you know, just trying to manage all that. What about you? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, yeah. I was being 
I'm not the lead pastor anymore. But I, you know, working, being the lead pastor during, I, there was moments of being very overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think it was necessarily because I had to make single decisions, but I felt like the consequences of the decisions that we as a, as a, as a pastoral staff made together would ultimately land on me. Mm-hmm. Now, I think going back to this article, I don't know if that's actually true or I just f- made those things, felt that sense of burden. You yeah. know, it's not like someone came up to me and said, Matt, this is your decision and the consequences will fall on you. No one's ever said that to me. No one's yeah. even hinted at that view. But I think there are certain roles, or sometimes just personality-wise, you just start to put a lot of weight on your shoulders when you don't necessarily have to put that weight on your shoulders. No one's saying, hey, you, this is based off, you, the buck stops with you. If this goes bad, you're to blame. Like, no yeah. one's ever kind of articulated that. And so I think even in the workplace, we can, and I think, you know, talking about identity, when you make your identity your work, there's certain things that then you start to, you start to make decisions based off that 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 that, that, that belief. So when it comes to okay, the boss is asking one of us to step up and do something. I'll do it because if I do it, then that's where I'll get my my chips and my points. And the more points and chips I get, the the more likelihood I'll get that promotion I want mm-hmm. or that raise that I want. And so you're trying to build up your chips, and so you always are raising your hand, right? So go, oh yeah, I'll take care of that that project, or I'll lead up that project, mm-hmm. I'll, and that'll help me get the the, the 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 points that I need to be able to cash those in for something, for a pay raise or a promotion or things like that. I don't know if I, I don't I don't really we don't I don't feel that way in my profession that I'm needing to like put my foot out to get more points or more chips or things. But I think maybe even times, I don't know if this is true with you. Sometimes I'll, I'll say, well, if I do this, uh, event or I do this, um, I'll arrange this meeting at a, at a time that really is not convenient for me or my family. Maybe that person will be more likely to stay at our church or more likely to do this volunteer work that I'm going to need them to do later on, right? Or maybe they'll be more open to doing something else that I'll ask them to do if I do this on the front end. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if you ever have those predicaments. It happens quite often, I think, in the church planning kind of world where you're needing buy-in. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, well, if I invest here, even though like it's probably like you know, we've man, I don't really don't know if I want to do another event on Friday night or Saturday night, or I don't know if I want to wake up at five in the morning and have this meeting with this person. But maybe if I do that, they'll see that I'm invested in them and that I want uh, that that I'm someone who they can talk to and that they can feel comfortable with. And maybe then later on down the road, they'll invest in our church or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of that does lead to a lot of stress because you're always trying to find bridges or building mm-hmm. bridges or finding e- angles that you can therefore hopefully utilize down the road. Right. But then again, you you don't know if these things are going to happen. You don't know if these bridges are going to be built. You don't know if these angles are going to be fruitful. You're just hoping that if you put enough of these things in order or enough of these things in action, you'll be able to get something down the road. Yeah. And that does lead to a little bit of stress and being a little stretched and being overwhelmed. Well, yeah, and and even I would say more than that, uh, disappointment and you when know, it doesn't and, go and, yeah, when it, if it doesn't happen, uh, jaded and discouraged, uh, you know, and and so this can come from a lot of angles. You know, the uh, this Jonathan Frostick, uh, if you find yourself uh, like he did here, when he begins to have a heart attack, having this thought, 
you know, I needed to meet with my manager tomorrow, so this isn't convenient. If you're thinking about mm-hmm. how you have too much to do to have a heart attack, uh, yeah. something's not right. <laughs> right. Something is not right. And if you could do this, like, maybe next month <laughs> after the quarter's right, over, right. I would appreciate uh, you, that yes, part. You are too far down a certain road. Um, and so it, it continues on. It says, quote, the 45-year-old financial services worker survived and changed his life. The non-negotiables on his calendar are now thrice weekly swims and dropping his youngest son off at nursery school in his fewer hours on the job. He says he's calm, decisive, above the fray. When he has too much on his plate, he leaves the work for another day, and he insists on 30-minute meetings that stay on point. You know, and um, having uh, seen uh, workaholism uh, in my family, especially, Mm. um, well, I mean, uh, on my... Dad's side, just sort of that, you know, kind of average 70, 80-hour work week is what the thought was. And then my mom uh, was a single mom growing up, worked two jobs, and I saw that a lot. Um, there is one thing when, when people have to work uh, to make it, yeah. um, but sometimes you have this attitude of, well, work is what I do. It is it is what life revolves around. And um, there are many people, I think, that are... Uh, seeing uh, this season of COVID, which has led to, in some cases, um, living on Zoom uh, or clocking a lot of hours, right. even when you're in your home. I have, uh, I think we've talked about this before, uh, living next door to uh, where I work. Yes. I have just, if I'm working, I'll be over at the church building. Uh, right. I don't want But your situation mix. is extremely unique. Yes. I mean, it's not unique in history in the clerk, in the church because a parsonage has always been somewhat part of the church right. uh, structure. And But you live in a, in a parsonage, and therefore the church owns the house. So that creates its own oh, yeah, dilemmas, yeah, it right, that you've experienced. unique set of circumstances. But um, yeah. as far as what the last year and a half have been like, if I'm working, it just makes sense for me to go over there at the lowest time uh, of attendance or when uh, when there was not much going on. I just meant a big, empty building, right. which is a good space to work out of. Uh, but I understand for a lot of people it's meant you know just being at home and then trying to navigate working from home, which um, is a whole different set of complications. And, Chris, you are... Your um, congregation, is, it's an older church in a sense. It's been around, when, when did First Southern get started? Yeah, 101 years ago. And so the, and the so the congregation is not like Redeemer where everybody's in their mid-20s and 30s right. and everyone. Is. So there is a certain, like, you know, uh, understanding of of hours and when the day mm-hmm. starts, when the day ends. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that what's challenging is as, as you know, newer churches and newer co- companies are started by millennials who are, who are accustomed to email and to texting. I think it, they, they come from a culture where there really isn't nearly a start or end. It's really just based off when do I want to do this or when do I don't want to do right. something based off decision-making. There's no clear divisions of day starting and day ending. Um, and actually, I read an article in, in, the, in the Wall Street from this weekend about emails that goes very similar that sometimes b- b- bosses can, or even as church people sending messages to volunteers, especially where we can almost send an email or a text and they don't know if it's urgent or not. And so it depends on the personality, the personality of a person who really wants to 
uh, come off as a hard worker, someone who's a great servant, who's willing to do whatever is necessary, they will respond to a certain message with a sense, okay, I don't know if it's urgent or not. I'm just going to assume it's urgent. So I'll respond to it, even though I really am not in a situation to respond to it. I'm going to drop everything that I'm doing and I'm going to text you back, call you back or email you back. Right. right? And, and some other people are like, well, I don't have time to do that. I'll get to it later. And the article made the point that if you are a boss or in a position of where people are underneath you, even if it's in a volunteer situation like at the church, communicating in the email or text, it's not urgent. Mm-hmm. It, you know, you're free to not have to get back to me immediately. Um, you know, don't feel like you have to drop dinner or drop what you're doing. Get to me whenever it's convenient for you. If it's yep. the next day, that's totally fine. Yep. People almost need that sense of freedom because, they're, they're, again, goes back to identity. If, if we're in a situation and I wanted to impress you and you sent me a message, I'm, even though uh, I'm going to assume for my sake that, I'm, that you're, you need it immediately because if I do it, I'll say face with you and you will maybe like me better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so personalities really will def- they'll define what is urgent and not urgent. You may not even need it immediately, but... Uh, and the importance, I think, for, for leaders, especially those who are in authority, to communicate that to people. Hey, it's not urgent. Don't feel like you have to drop everything you're doing. I, I was just on my mind. And I wanted to send this to you so I wouldn't forget because I'm easily forgetful. And please respond to this whenever you can. Even if it's the next day, that's totally fine. Yeah. Like That really helps free people so they're not feeling like they have to, again, if they're defining their life by their work, they're going to want to do what they think the boss wants them to do, which they're always going to assume urgent is always better. Yeah. But it may not be actually what's best for their stress level and those type of different things. Right. I mean, a lot of times it would help someone to, let's, you know, to tell them, you know, I, I would really need to know by Monday mm-hmm. if you, you know, um, to let that. At the end of the day, what I've seen is that a lot of people who are more business types will tend. I mean, I've, I, I, I have people in my life that I could tell you I could, I could email them at 10 o'clock on a Friday night and I'd probably get something back within a half hour. Right. Uh, more business oriented right. types of people. Exactly. Um, but more uh, arts types of people or more free spirit types of people, you know, it might be days and it might be never. You might have to just stay on them. Um, for me, I, um, I, unless it seems urgent, I do like to a lot of times give space. I don't like to live by the phone. A part of yeah. uh, one thing I've seen about burnout is that the phone can be a, a source of burnout if you live by it and you're constantly feeling like I have to solve everything for everyone in the next right. 20 minutes right. or whatever. You know, if I get if I got this text message and then they can start piling up and I have to solve them all within, you know, the next two hours or that you can never, ever get away from your phone. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, that's just to me, that's not feasible. Uh, having three kids, I want some time where it's just like, look, I, I don't want anyone to expect that I would get with them on their schedule. I have to have some time that I am away from other people's schedule. And so I've chosen to be there a lot of times, uh, but I definitely know what you're talking and about. And I think there's there's two layers to this. And I know this article brings it up uh, about. When, when that does happen, when you get that, that email or you get that message and it's work-related, you know, um, realizing that, you know, you're basically, your phone, I read this in a book, a Crazy Busy by Kevin DeYoung, like we live in a world where like literally we're in a big room having conversations or doing things that 
maybe artwork related and people just walking up to us and tapping us on our shoulder and saying, right. hey, 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 right. I need your attention for a minute. Yep. You know, what if we live that way where we're constantly being tapped on the shoulder and yep. saying, hey, hey, I want you to, can you, I have something to tell you. Can, yep. you, can you. can you stop what you're doing and yep. listen to me? Like That would be a really hard way to live if people constantly are distracting you and, and tapping you on your shoulder. But um, I think giving some distance, and this is a part of this issue, is giving some distance from your phone. I, I don't know what your youth tell you, but I had some students recently tell me that I don't respond to text messages immediately. And I'm like, yeah, I don't respond to text messages immediately, but they come from a generation that they do respond almost right. immediately to text messages as if actually they are being tapped on the shoulder and mm-hmm. therefore giving an immediate response to that tapping. And I think there's a generational divide on this that um, I think even within discipleship, I think of younger generations and saying, hey, you know, um, be in the moment, be in, again, be in places with people. Uh, have conversations and let yourself have some distance from your phone because if you don't, you will be burnt out because that that device can also be the work communication and you will always be at work and you don't always want to be at work. Um, You want to be disconnected when you're off work and Mm -hmm. so make sure you keep create some boundaries and some rules or you will burn out um, when it comes to work. Yeah, as far as that goes, I am, I am again, gladly older and most most young people don't even ask those sorts of questions because it's just like, you know, look, I, I'm not going to live by the phone. Right. Um, any of, uh, any of us who, uh, try to read books, uh, reading books while your phone is sitting next to you is just terrible because, Uh, you can get uh, that, that that idea of someone tapping you on the shoulder. You can get somebody tapping you on the shoulder, either telling you something really important, you know, like China's invaded Taiwan. That's right. Uh, or they could, <laughs> they could just be telling you, yeah. hey, I got a joke for you, you know. Yeah. And, 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 and I know the range is there and that I have contact with a lot of people who uh, it's it is it is strange that that's the world that we live in. That all those buzzes could be anything from the most important thing that you need to hear about to all the way to something inconsequential. Right. And and that I I have all that in my life on purpose. I'm thankful for my long term friends who will write me something that's just goofy. Right. Um, but I cannot just be available to stop everything at every moment. It's, right. It's an end to any sort of reflective thinking, to any sort of focus, and that's just to talk about what I actually might focus on myself, much less the relationships in my life uh, with people who are important. So for instance, um, I I do have this conversation usually when I really start getting to know people that I spend time with. Look, if I'm with people, I don't mess with my phone. Yeah. I don't, don't, it'll buzz. I won't look at it for, I don't know, half hour, 45 minutes until, usually until I leave that person. Right. Um, It is is a decision that I tried to make early on that um, I noticed, especially as uh, sort of smartphones became much more common that you're around people and then having worked with, you know, college students all these years, especially uh, high school students that are just going to constantly be looking at their phone and not paying attention to what's happening around them that you notice, okay, this is not how I want to live. This is not the kind of situation I want to be in. I want to have person-to-person contact. Uh, How do I do that Uh, and still maintain? Well, I'm going to have this phone. I'm going to have... Uh, text messaging and uh, depending on how you handle notifications that's a whole nother uh, discussion you know I don't I don't have notifications for any social media if that stuff comes in it does not tell me that Uh, and and so you have to manage it you have to have a strategy for how to manage it otherwise it will manage you and uh, I think many of us have experienced that and so so that's where I am on that Uh, I want to have 
I, I want to be present yeah. uh, where I where I am and, and with the people. I think relationships happen, meaningful relationships happen face to face like that, and you can lose that. Yeah, um, you can lose that by uh, being too focused on whatever your phone might be telling you uh, in the presence of other people. Yeah, she kind of writes here, we, we put in too many hours, we mm-hmm. don't take vacations, we can't say no to that 6 a.m. conference call. Underneath it all is something bigger, an emotional attachment to our jobs that exhausts us and it squeezes out the other parts of our identities. For years, we were told to find meaning and purpose at work, while other parts of modern life like church receded. Then came the pandemic. Yeah. Um, you know, I, again, I, I don't, you know, I, I, I get this. I, I really resonate with this, the 6 a.m. conference call. Like, I, I'm one, I, I don't, uh, you were talking about this uh, kind of ministry fatigue. I am one who, and I've said this to people, I, I, I have a, a Messiah complex, I guess is the best way to say it. And I've told people that, you know, I've actually gotten better at telling people that I'm prone to this. I'm prone to kind of that Messiah complex that I'm, I have a difficulty saying no to like ministry opportunities yep. like that because, you know, I think it's just a tendency to say, well, if they need help, then, I'm, you know, that's kind of my role or job to do that, right? To fill yeah. that need. And, 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 and there's a, a sense where, you know, creating boundaries with that is very, very difficult if you have a Messiah complex, right? Yep. Uh, and, you know, you're, I know you're a superhero fan. Like, you know, super, Superman doesn't go, well, I'm on vacation this day, right? right? I'm not going to save the person. Like, I think you, yep. kind of under, you kind of understand this idea that, hey, if that's when people can meet at 5 a.m., I guess I'm going to wake up early and go to that every week. You know, so... I think it's hard to create those those boundaries, and so I do resonate with that. Um, sometimes putting in too many hours, um, and and just being attached to the role and the identity and this type of thing, um, and that's why I, I wanted to bring this up with to you. I wanted to. I know that your church maybe doesn't have a particular view on this per se, but uh, as you know, this summer, this past summer, uh, I took a sabbatical for about six weeks um, mm-hmm. and uh, was basically disconnected from the church, uh, disconnected from the Facebook Messenger, um, and tried to stay out of a lot of different things the best that I could. That was really freeing to kind of create a moment where I, the you know, I'm completely disconnected. Um, do you think that more pastors should take that type of sabbatical type I'm not saying every year obviously I know some some actually some pastors that have been in ministry longer do get a, get like a month off for every yeah. year or something like that and I know Dr. Muller gets that every year they force him to do that every summer is that something that needs to be like, more churches need to talk about with their pastors about creating this kind of a moment every few years or if it is every year where you are completely disconnecting because of the Ministry fatigue, the Messiah complex. I'm not the only pastor to have a Messiah complex type right. issue. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that um, something like every five years should be a reasonable discussion that you take a month off and uh, something like that. And sometimes you're talking, you know, ten weeks or something if it's yeah. been uh, a longer amount of time right. to really, really get away from the day to day. A lot of uh, a lot of lead pastors in particular live with this idea of I, I have to manage this I have to be the one to preach I have to be the one uh, to to be present and we as evangelicals uh, one of the the things that is true is that too many of these uh, ministries are built around personalities um, and if your ministry is built around a personality it will leave with that personality mm-hmm. and, and so we shouldn't do that and we can contribute to that 
um, by the way that we operate. It should be uh, acceptable for other people to fill in. Uh, you shouldn't be the only one who can uh, handle certain issues or make certain decisions, uh, even down to, you know, for instance, uh, a lot of pastors go on vacation. Somebody dies to come home from that to do the funeral. You know, yeah. look, uh, there ought to be enough of a connection sure. uh, for the ministers to that church that there's an understanding, you know, look, that another minister can cover this funeral. Right. And that uh, that more people than just the lead pastor should know the congregation well enough. And the expectation on the part of the congregation should be that if the pastor is gone, we want him to get his time uh, right. because it is very difficult. Uh, you, you, it just generally doesn't happen that if you miss that time that you just kind of fill it in the next week. Uh, and so that's just, uh, that's just key to this in particular, but to all jobs you can say, um, if you can't get away from it at all, that's unhealthy. Yeah. If you if you can't take some space uh, and, and let it fall to someone else, uh, that is that has a possibility of being too much for you. Yeah. Uh, it, it can eat you up, mm-hmm. and that's not good. It's not healthy for you. Well, and I think there's a there's a a value American value when we say a value something that is held strongly something that is considered positive you don't have a negative value right you don't go we value murder like that's 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 a negative thing americans value work Mm -hmm. and they value hard work right Mm -hmm. and they value work addiction Mm -hmm. if you don't there's a it's a a positive value like you even hear when people say about someone that person uh he sacrifices for the job he's willing to come in at three in the morning and stay till the lights come off that's a quality that's you hear that a lot so if that is told as kind of the narrative what do you think children or other people are going to raise up it's like that's what it takes right Right. that if you want to be committed if you want to do well at what you at your job you have to be willing to do those things if you're not willing to do those things then your heart's not all the way in it, or you there, you are um, divided in your attention, and that's not good, right? And while at the same time you get the value of family, and you have these these values that are kind of in a sense they kind of compete with one another, um, where even when someone says they, they quit their job, they take they say, well I'm taking some time away to spend time with my family, and so it, as as if like I can't do this job and be a good family man or woman, I have to pick one or the other. So I'm going to pick this one for a time. But then after I've been burnt out on this one, then I'll pick the family for a short amount of time. But then I'm going to go back to work and I'm going to throw myself completely in it. Yeah. And then I'm going to do it to kind of abandon my family. Like balance is not a value in American culture, but that is the problem. I mean, this is a val- this is a balance discussion. How do you balance life? How do you work hard and do well while at the same time creating boundaries taking care of yourself, being with your family, going to your children's soccer games, being present in their lives. How do you do this with a sense of balance? Yeah. And I think that is the big question that I don't think... This doesn't give you a lot of... It gives you a little bit of hows, but not a lot, right? How yeah. do you, we create balance in our weeks where we are present at work, but also present in the home? Well, I- the You're first thing to the say, church because we as Christians are required to be in the church, right? right. Uh, the first thing to say is that if you are trying to prove your worth uh, by your work ethic, uh, you're you've already lost. Uh, yeah. you you are not your work ethic. Um, and, and I think in in the history of this country, you can see that a lot of uh, a lot of what 
America has been is is people coming with not much and then right. getting somewhere, uh, achieving by work ethic. And and there are some incredible American stories about right. work ethic. A lot of them. I mean, uh, the Protestant work ethic. Uh, in, in a lot of ways, came to bloom here, and uh, so this this is no accident uh, that this story is here. But then the second thing is, if if you start with wanting to prove your worth, and then the demands of your job come to you and say, "Well, this is what we would need from you if you're going to see any advancement here," uh, you you have already lost. But the yeah, the, the question that that you have there is, is it worth it? Is, yeah. is it worth what is being demanded uh, by that? company or by that boss. Um, and a, a lot of us, a lot of people have, you know, kind of been trained to go, well, you know, don't ask questions, just keep on, put your nose to the grindstone and right. keep on going. Right. But that's not panning out. I mean, um, this next quote, nearly 90% of workers said they'd experienced burnout over the past year, according to a summer survey from People Analytics uh, firm Vizier. More than half said their workloads had increased during the pandemic. Well, this is worst case scenario. I mean, when you are saying, um, here, figure out how to do this. You know, I, I can think of situations where, say, a, a school last year, a teacher had to figure out how, hey, reinvent your whole curriculum so right. that you can uh, do it all online against uh, with, with students who are at home and don't particularly feel like doing what you're asking them to do, and, and you're working out a whole new curriculum that you just kind of cobbled together. <laughs> and that's, I mean... You, you could say so much about uh, retail, you know, about you know how, how to get the data when you're not present with people. Yeah. And then all of your um, leisure time, all your time with the people in your life that might uh, refresh you, especially for somebody who is single in the last year and a half, you, got, you have none. Right. And, um, and that's something that was on my mind over and over here is that, that biblical idea that labor produces leisure, that there ought to be a rhythm to life. Right. And if you're going to work, then you, you ought to have rest in there. You ought to do things that you right. are just right. purely enjoy right. so that you can forget that. Right. Um, and for me, you know, there's a few things in my life that uh, from from running to uh, to not just video games, uh, some video games that are really intense so that I, I have to forget other things because I'm just really focused on this yeah. issue. But then right. sometimes video games that are really relaxed so that I'm just... I, I'm, I, I don't need so much to de-stress in, in a direct sort of... I, I feel intense, so I need to put it in here, but as much as just relax yeah. through this and finding what hobbies will do for you what you need. I mean, running for me is emotionally helpful because it clears my mind, mm-hmm. calms me down. Mm-hmm. I can think more clearly the, 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 say, half hour or an hour that I might spend running on any, uh, any given day is some of the clearest that my head will be as far as what I'm doing, mm-hmm. what I hope to accomplish out of that day. And not to mention the fact that you know, you go home and you get a shower, and when you walk into the office that day, you go, I've already accomplished something today, right. and that's a great feeling. Right. Um, and so finding in your life uh, what can even you out, balance you out, what you're talking about. That I, I think of our lives like a, like a wave that goes up and down, and, and it seems, especially in the last year and a half, that a lot of us have been trying to just force that wave yep. up and keep it just a static, stable line that is above zero, and it seems that what is happening is it's coming crashing below zero mm-hmm. for a lot of people, which should be expected. We are not robots. We cannot force ourselves. Just permanent output. Yeah. Uh, and, it and, doesn't and, work that way. Yeah, I, I find it, you know, one of my, yeah, we've, I know that you've watched a few episodes or a few seasons of The West Wing, but mm-hmm. it's my favorite show, but I find that one of the shows that I don't like about it is that every, other than the president, 
is he, all of them have no families. Right. They, they're, they're basically single. One is divorced. The other, there's another one that's been divorced. But they have no families to go home to. And so really they can work until their bodies shut off, right? right? There's no, like, you know, and there's a lot of episodes where it's like, do they really work till three in the morning and then wake up at six? Like, that doesn't seem humanly possible. Like, that seems like a plot hole that maybe is un- unexplored there, that how are these people surviving? How are they not burnt out and literally mm-hmm. laying on the floor in their own vomit because they work so hard and they get no rest? But, you know, there's one thing, either there's shows like that where everyone just works and works and works and there's no family, or you get shows like Seinfeld where that doesn't seem like they ever work. They just hang out all the time. <laughs> uh, or Friends. Friends. Yeah, all, right, you know, right. nothing about their work life. They just right. they just hang out all the time. There's no show that ever does the, all right, this is a, this is a group of people That's that true. are saving the world and also trying to, to be in the home. I mean, yep. even the Avengers, I mean, I guess like Tony Stark eventually gets married and has a kid. But that doesn't until later on. But yeah. everybody else is kind of like, this is all they got is... Mm-hmm. Saving the world, right? Mm-hmm. They got nothing else. This is the only people they hang out with are the other Avengers, right? And it's like, how? What is the? Of course, I guess if they if they made a story or they made a show like that, then it would be too realistic to our life, and we wouldn't find it interesting. But mm-hmm. I think there's very even in their in our in our stories, there's a little there's very little content or models of how someone's doing this well, mm-hmm. right? It's either give it all. Or you're just hanging out all the time. There's no one in the middle trying to balance that out, right? right. I, I can't think of anything that's a model mm-hmm. for us to go, all right, that's the way to do it. That right. right there is how you do it. Maybe, I don't know, maybe some of the older shows, like Leave It to Beaver, like Dad left and went to work. But I don't even know if that's a good model of, of how to do this and do it well. But um, he mentions also overachievers often throw themselves too zealously into new hobbies. Um, that it's almost like it's all in on everything, right? And and you treat the hobby like a job, and right. You, know, you don't. Do you have do any of those friends that say they they start a new hobby and they always go to the extreme? Oh yeah. What is your usual response or even thought process when you hear those kind of things? Right. It's mostly calm down, you know, <laughs> enjoy yourself. Uh, and, 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 you know, I, I just, you know, people who um, everything is like a job to yes. them. That it's just like, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to be the best at yes. it. I'm going to spend all this time, money, effort. Um, and uh, hobbies are, are natural for me. And, yeah. I, and I, uh, I, have, I have quite a few hobbies. Uh, like but what, I, you have running... Video games, right? So like music, music that's a lot right. of different musical yeah, instruments. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, uh, board games, uh, just fun things. You know, I like to be outside hiking. I like to go uh, places, do stuff like that. Sure. Um, and and I don't, I I don't like uh, the tendency to kind of um, let us. Uh, turn this into a job. Let yes. us structure it so that then we can get better. Uh, at it, I, I I have a very strong sense about how well uh, you're ruining it. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you know, I mean, some some of y'all probably know people. You know, golf can become a like, hey, just an endless. If I if we do everything, we analyze everything, we can, right. can just get better at it. And, and I think that you can wring the fun out of. Right. Uh, I love movies. You know, I, the, the, you can wring the fun out of uh, a lot of things if you uh, make it a job. Even you know, video games. There's been you know certain deal about online video games and turning like, hey, you you have daily quests and it's like no that, that would make this a job if it's, it's right. something i have to do every day at a yes. certain time uh no we, we don't want to make this a job because we you know uh we we have labor we don't need yes. to we extend labor we want leisure uh, that's what uh, the wave looks like you right. gotta have relaxation uh that that feels free 
following duty and accomplishment. Um, and so I, I think my sense in that has, has been good because uh, I certainly have seen uh, this tendency of, uh, you know, people, if they're going to run, they're going to run, you know, a marathon. Right. If I'm, if I'm going uh, to shoot, I'm going to be the best at shooting right. the clay pigeons or, sure. or this or that. Sure. It's like, hey, you just calm down. Sure. sure. <laughs> just let it be. Yeah. Which, I, you know, I get, I get that. And also, you know, doing things competitively as a kid, you know, playing sports, running track competitively, doing all those different things where you are graded on by wins and losses or by times, and they yeah. post those things. And you can almost have that same mentality with a hobby. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, so... I like snow skiing a lot and will get angry if I make a mistake, a stupid mistake or something like that. It's almost like I ruined the run by, by doing this, you know, and there's a sense where you need to just enjoy it and not necessarily make it a competition where right. I need to be as good as that guy over there yeah. um, because he's doing it better than I'm doing it. And that's my destination or my goal mm-hmm. uh we could almost make leisure so goal-centric mm-hmm. that we lose the leisure yes. and we make it work yeah. and i think it, it, it's hard because we're americans and so it's our tendency to always it's not worth doing unless you're going to do it well mentality yeah. right and and so even with so i've gotten into golf the last six months and play i, I don't i don't play every week but i'll, I'll probably go to the driving range every week and try to get better right and of course, with golf, there's a scorecard, right? Mm-hmm. And you put your score, and you there's an app that I have where you actually take your score and you post it on the app, and you can actually kind of all right, I did better this time than I did last time, or I did worse this time than I did la- that time, and you can kind of analyze your how, how well you're doing, but or you can get lessons, right? And you can get better and get more refined and yep. more tuned, and so you're like, and there's this view that. If I am able to do things like that guy over there, then that will make, obviously, it will make it more fun, yep. right? And I think you can almost get, fall into that trap where you lose the just allure of going out, going to a, 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 a golf course that's probably on a beautiful day and just hitting the golf ball and walking the course and enjoying right. a few hours outside, right? Yep. I think it can be that basic, and you can still be get better as you play something sure. the more you do it you get better right yeah. you don't necessarily have to like as you say just kind of force yourself right. into this kind of like i've got to get better or if i don't i'm giving up or yeah. I'm, I'm gonna give it away and i think it is a mindset issue i mean i would subscribe in a certain kind of way to the philosophy of work hard play hard i think there's something about intensity even in uh your leisure but if it gets to the point to where um you analyze it and you are trying to uh, stake it out and, and force it, then you are missing the point. Right. Um, you need to have things in your life that are enjoyment uh, to, to fit between the accomplishment uh, because we are prone to just trying to prove ourselves, to prove our value, uh, and, and that's not good. That's it. You are, we are all going to uh, diminish and die in general. Right. And, and if right. your value is in anything that you can accomplish, whether that's some skill that you have, accounting, I mean, anything that your mind enables you to do to what your body, look, that's going to go away and you need to be more than that. Otherwise right. it will betray you. Right. Uh, and, and you will struggle as it does betray you. Um, the Christian idea of vocation. Look, we, we believe that God made this world to be overseen by us. And so that each of us has certain things that we can do well, but we are not our vocation. Right. Our vocation is a gift. 
gift. Right. But if we then try to, again, import our value into that vocation, that's not how it works. Yeah. We are more than our vocation. Yeah. Uh, we, we are, they're good gifts that we are given, but we betray ourselves when we try to place our value. Um, because really, it's, it, it's a rat race. That, that, that is you trying to prove that your gifts are more, more important than somebody else's, and that's just not, that's not how it is. And in this view of for the fight of, of, of materials and, mm-hmm. and things, mm-hmm. those who do well at, at stuff get more things. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think we're, and you may be listening to this like, well, I don't really fall into that trap. Well, you can almost place those expectations on your children. Mm-hmm. On your evaluation on their soccer game, you know, oh, mm-hmm. I think you know you could have scored more goals today if you had done this, this, and this. And I, I, as someone who has two kids that are playing soccer, one, I haven't fallen into that tendency, you know, um, to like you know wanting your kid to be the best out there, right? Yeah. You can almost create the same, uh, the same uh, kind of demands you put on yourself. You can share it upon others yeah. and say, hey, this is my expectation on you as well. Um, and I think it's just, I think as, especially as Christian parents, as we think about our own lives and how to balance work and balance family, we want to instill those same biblical values with our children and how they then are good balancers of their work and their family yeah. and, 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 and being involved in the church. And that we don't actually disciple them in those values that we were sharing before, that all, all, your, all, all your value comes from how hard you work and how well you work. Right. And if you don't do those things well, then you're valueless. Right, no. We don't want to, we don't want to share those Right, you know, I, I was listening to a Tim Keller sermon the other day. I thought it was so powerful. He was saying, if you made a lot of money, all that means is that you made a lot of money. It right. doesn't indicate your anything. skill, importance, value, anything. Exactly. If, if you didn't make a lot of money, all that indicates that you didn't make a lot of money. It doesn't, it doesn't imply anything about you. And that's... Helpful in our age when certain people are making unbelievable amounts of money. That doesn't, that doesn't say anything about their value. Though, look, that does give them a lot of power in this world. Uh, still yet, do not be jealous of that power. Uh, look to God Almighty who makes the, the rainfall and the rich and the poor and just Absolutely. go, you know what? Uh, it doesn't impress him. Yeah, uh, we are more than our abilities and aptitudes. We're more than any training we've had. We're more than titles, uh, and and we cannot forget that. It is to our detriment if we forget that. Yeah, and uh, I'm glad that you put that there because I mentioned in the sermon on Sunday that in the new age, in the new kingdom, uh, in the new earth, these titles, these trainings, these aptitudes, these abilities have no value or weight in that world. Right. It just doesn't have any value. And so why 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 lead yourself to a heart attack or stress? For things that don't even value, yep. or not even valuable in the next world. Right. So why do it? Well, do it because age. it's a life of service. We should yes. want to, to do our part and to serve. Sure. I mean, Aristotle had an idea that everybody has a post. You should sure. man your post. Sure. We should, but not to prove our value right. because we've been given gifts that we can steward. We can oversee this world. We can do our part, but it doesn't prove anything about us. Right. We, are, we are free to do that, right. and we are who we are no matter what. Right. And that's freeing. It can, and then and we can serve free. freely. Absolutely. Really so... Very good. Uh, well, anything else we need to mention? Uh, we'll be hopefully be back next week. Um, and this has been Empires of the Future. And we'll see you in the future. Song I